Hi, I'm Jeff Jones, and you're listening to The Monarchists. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Ben Moore to the show. Ben covers Georgia State Athletics for Panther Talk, 24-7's home of Georgia State Athletics. Ben is a proud Georgia State alum and has been working with 24-7 since 2009. Welcome to the world's best and only ODU Podcast. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate it and I appreciate the intro, man. Excited, excited as we talked a little bit off air, man. I'm excited to ODU to be back in the in the conference with Georgia State and uh, you know, looking forward to uh to seeing the monarchs on a homecoming Saturday uh at Center Park Stadium, downtown Atlanta. Ben, thanks for joining us. You've been covering the program since their inception. Can you take us through the start of football and the move up to the belt? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride, man. Honestly, I'm probably a roller coaster ride is is probably a better uh, you know better depiction of it. Um, you know, Georgia State uh, University has has been a school since 1913. It was the largest school without a sanctioned NCAA football program uh, throughout basically the 90s and the 2000s. Continued to grow, uh, you know, with over 28,000 undergrads, and uh, they had, you know, there was there was. A little bit of murmur going on. Uh, selfishly, I'll just talk about myself here for, for about 30 seconds here. But we uh, we started a club football team when I was on campus in 2001 and 2002 and had some support for it. Um, the president at the time wasn't really interested in starting a sanctioned football program. Um, we also played against South Alabama, who started uh, their program as a as a club team, as well as uh, Georgia State's chief rival, um, Georgia Southern, uh, started as a club football team very very early uh, back in the uh, in the 70s and 80s while they were kind of garnering support there. So club football is is uh, is around. It's a lot of Power Five programs have club football teams. So that kind of started the process and, and getting it going. Uh, finally, a, a student survey was launched and then football happened and then you got to figure out how to sustain it. Right. Um, I, I joke with people now uh, you, you can't have generations of fans when you don't have you haven't been around a generation. And that's kind of where Georgia State is right now. Um, president Mark Becker, uh, who was the president uh, when uh, football uh, basically launched in 2010, realized very quickly FCS football was not going to work in Atlanta. There's just no audience for it. Um, and uh, basically decided to charge his AD at the time. Hey, look, go find a conference, go find a, a Sunbelt, uh, go find a Conference USA, go find something that makes sense. Um, there was a relationship there with the, with the then athletic director, Cheryl Levick, with Carl Benson, uh, who was leaving basically the, the WAC, which is basically about to you know, go the way of the dodo, as we know. Um, so he, he has uh, told the story uh, multiple times, but they had a relationship there and, and the Sunbelt was the landing spot. Interesting to note, uh, and confirmed this with a couple people that had uh, had talked to Conference USA. Conference USA actually reached out quite literally the day before Georgia State was about to announce. So uh, Conference USA was interested in Georgia State as well. I think they made the right call, uh, we'll say. Uh, look, looking back, obviously, years later, um, but it has been a rocky road, certainly with not a whole lot of support and really not a lot of infrastructure uh, for football. Um, you know, there you know, went the end of Coach Curry's days as, as of course, ODU and, and Georgia State matched up in the CAA and the FCS days, moving to the, uh, to the Sun Belt, um, you know, kind of finding their sea legs here in the last four or five years, really, with Sean Elliott. And, um, you know, this season, 
notwithstanding, it, it certainly had been an accelerating and inclining, kind of moving up the ladder. And uh, this season was really the first with real expectations for this Georgia State football program. And uh, as of today, uh, which is the 26th of October when we speak, um, they're, they're having a rough season and not really what a whole lot of Panther faithful uh, or even the coaching staff would tell you that they wanted to do. But, but really, in reality, they've only lost one game where they haven't been favored, and that was the Charlotte game, which is still mind-boggling. Um, that team may not win, a, win another game all season. But um, they've, they've paid a, a very, very tough non-conference schedule playing two Power Five programs to open the schedule. And I, I think that honestly took a, took a toll on them on an injury and probably even a mental side of things. But, but yeah, that, that was a very long answer, fellas. I apologize. What went on there? But no, it's a, no, it's a podcast, not a radio interview. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. No, you're good to go. Matter of fact, that that's a great segue because I was about to ask you, you know, Sean Elliott replaced Trent Miles in 2017, has turned the Panthers into a regular bowl team. He's gone to four bowls, winning three of them. What were the biggest changes that Coach Elliott made to the program to bring regular winning into the fold, and how do fans view his tenure so far? Yeah, I think overall they're they're, they're pleased, right? Um, you know, you, you winning is better than losing. We know that, uh, and, and honestly, winning uh, winning uh, losing kills any kind of fan support. I mean, that's the one thing that Georgia State has struggled initially is is really trying to pull those folks away from you know a national championship level program in the University of Georgia or Georgia Tech or these. I mean, you you really just draw a circle, really really in about you know three or four hour stretch from Metro Atlanta, and you're going to hit nine, ten, eleven. Uh, FBS programs going each direction. So it's very difficult to kind of disconnect those. So you, so Georgia State alums, they they went to games at Auburn or Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina. Listen, I, I grew up a Florida State fan. You know, my dad and I, before football, football started at Georgia State, we had season tickets to FSU. Uh, I was there for the final 10 years of Bobby Bowden. Um, I got in the car on Saturday morning and we drove to Tallahassee or we went down Friday night. Um, so it's very difficult um, and it has been difficult so far to disconnect that. Now, we know with programs as they continue to grow and mature and honestly get signature wins. And that's the one thing that, that Sean Elliott has gotten, gotten bowl wins, as well as obviously an enormous, uh, I think, landmark victory against the University of Tennessee in 2019 to start that season. Um, and what you know is interesting, always talking to folks uh, around the country, um, trying to understand and encapsulate how big that victory was for the program. Um, the, the word validation really comes in there because when you live in SEC country down here to knock off an SEC foe and, and in the manner that they did it, you know, physically dominating the team on both sides of the line of scrimmage, going into, you know, the M mighty Neyland Stadium and knocking them off. Um, and now Tennessee fans can kind of put that in their memory bank as they're back in, you know, a top 10 program now. But, you know, Sean, you know, the biggest thing, you know, and he told us very early, look, we're going to run the football here. Uh, we're going to be a run first, tough, you know, hit you, punch you in the face. Um, type offense, and that's what they've done. You know, they, they've consistently been a top ten, top fifteen uh, rushing attack, and, and really been. You know, they, they've nicknamed it the Panther Express, basically, where you have uh, the train horn, as folks will hear. Uh, one warning for ODU fans coming to Center Park: the train horn is very loud, and they do it a lot. So they, you know, if you, if you've seen the 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 you know the GIF uh, or, or things around there with the uh, you need more train horn. That's kind of where it will, will start and end, but uh, you, they have the hashtag sound the horn. But no, just getting tougher along the line of scrimmage. You know, defensively they've been up and down. Um, you know, and it's had some struggles certainly this year. They're they're not not very good overall. Uh, but th this team runs the football. They 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 have a dual threat quarterback. They want to run the football. Uh, they want to you know be opportunistic in the pass game. But they're, they're they they love to run it forty five or fifty times and come right at you and, and force you to stop them. So. Bringing back to the beginning of the season, coming off last year's eight and five record and a chameleon bowl win, 
Georgia State was actually a popular pick to compete for the Sun Belt Championship. But you start out your schedule with two tough P5 opponents in South Carolina and North Carolina. Both you guys played really well in both games, but ended up on the wrong side of the ledger. And the team kind of hit a bit of a skid starting 0 and 4 and losing that really weird one to, to Charlotte. However, you win the next two. You turn it around, you beat Army, and you beat your big rival, your state rival, Georgia Southern. What was the biggest catalyst in kind of rebounding and not letting that skid get even worse? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just getting healthy. Um, You know, the team, especially in Charlotte, and why it's so head-scratching, you know, it it got to the point where basically both both tackles were out. The offensive line just got absolutely blasted in in the first couple games with injuries. Um, They had multiple guys go down, you know, in the first two weeks. Um, And very, very early in that Charlotte game, inside linebacker Trey Payne – or. uh, I'm sorry, Blake Carroll uh, went down with an Achilles, basically, and he's the guy that's the quarterback of the defense, calls all the plays. You know, he goes down. They had they because they had already gotten banged up. Uh, guys getting hurt on special teams and back up against uh, the the previous two games. They threw a walk on in there. Walk on basically played over 45 snaps and against Charlotte. And the Charlotte coaches kind of figured that out. Said, hey, let's throw it his way. Uh, let's run it his way. And it really victimized the Panthers defense that day. But you know the the. Um, the offensive line has gotten healthy. You've got all five starters back, kind of base, basically where they are. Um, coach Elliott, who is a former offensive line coach in the SEC with South Carolina, uh, made one adjustment at left guard, and that's really kind of you know L- Luis Cristobal, if you recognize that name. His uncle is the is the coach at the University of Miami, Mario Cristobal. Uh, he he is at play, inserted into the starting lineup, and really this 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 offense has started to kind of move. Where it where it uh, you know was envisioned really in August and fall camp, but um, I, I think the biggest thing now as well is is just kind of trying to see all right can the defense match what it did in 2021 kind of down the stretch they're a very very opportunistic defense uh, in the first I think month month and a half of the season they were you know top three or top four in the nation in terms of creating turnovers um, they are very much of the bend, don't break defense. They play a 3-4. They play zone defense. Basically, hey, you're going to have to march 8, 10, 12 plays down the field in order uh, order to beat them. And, you know, teams obviously have and can, uh, but they've been victimized at times as well. Uh, guys, you know, in the wrong position, even some shuffling uh, around on the defensive side of things as well. But I, I think the confidence too, you know, when you, when you start out 0-2 and you really, you know, play two physical games, um, they had leads in both, you know, against at South Carolina on the road. They had to lead in the second half, had to lead in the second half in the fourth quarter, even against North Carolina at home in an enormous game. The first ever power five opponent to come to Center Park Stadium there in downtown Atlanta. Um, so I think it took a lot of steam out of them. Um, and, and just Coastal, I think it was just bad timing. I and mean, again, I think Coastal's good. I don't think they're great as they were last year. A lot of, a lot of really good players. Uh, that game kind of got away from them. And really, you, you started seeing you know, Georgia State turned the ball over. That's the one thing in the in the two-game winning streak, they really didn't do as much. They didn't turn the ball over against Army. were able to force turnovers, force, good grief, a ton of turnovers against Georgia Southern and flip that game. Um, that game honestly shouldn't have been as close as it was, but weird things happen in rivalry games, as we know in college football. Um, and then I think even even the Wednesday night game was a little bit funky, and Sean Elliott even said in his, in his weekly press conference this week, is just, you know, that Wednesday you know, was kind of odd. They had to kind of start game prep on Friday, Saturday. Um, the conditions were not great, super windy and cold. So you, it really took away the the passing game. Um, and and honestly, just got ran over by by an App State team that just you know was dedicated to run the football and 
for whatever reason, we see it in college sports all the time. There's teams that just don't match up well with other teams. That's been Georgia State and App. Um, you know, Georgia State is now 0-9 against Appalachian State, uh, Sean Elliott's alma mater, and the games haven't been particularly close. I think only one of the uh, nine matchups has been in the single digits, and the vast majority of them are over 20. So um, I'm very interested to see, you know, Saturday and see what kind of team um, is that the good thing, I guess, about playing on a Wednesday night is you get kind of an extra couple days to rest and uh, come back and kind of game plan for ODU. So very, very interested to see where the mindset is of the team on Saturday. All right. So let's talk about the offense a little bit, but we're going to take this bit by bit. So I'm going to start off with the running backs. You guys are led by two fantastic running backs. So Tucker Gregg, Jameis Williams, both of them came very close to a thousand yards last season. Talk to us about that duo and the line that's protecting them. Yeah, the biggest thing, uh, Tucker Gregg's a former walk-on, a guy that just, uh, you know, is, is the story that you want to have if you're, you know, covering recruiting or being a recruited athlete, a guy that was used to sending basically weightlifting videos to the coaching staff and saying, look, you know, I want a, I want an opportunity uh, to come and run the football. It's from Murray County to the north part of the state, um, not not super known for football uh, and, uh, you know, big, big white running back, let's just be honest. Um, and uh, I, I've, I've said he reminds me a little bit of Peyton Hillis, a uh, guy that played at Arkansas and played in the NFL for a couple of years. Um, very, very underrated in, in, in terms of size, speed combo. He is very much an inside runner, but does have the ability to kind of pop one, as we've seen. Uh, he had a, you know, plus 50-yard run against Auburn in 2021, has had multiple over 20-yard runs there. And he's only, I think, 44, 45 yards away from being um, the all-time leader, basically the career rushing mark. Um, there at Georgia State, and, and no disrespect to the ODU defense, I expect him to get that on Saturday. Um, Jamias Williams is a is a former cornerback, for, a former four star cornerback that signed with South Carolina. Uh, was a defensive back, athlete, um, moved to Georgia State, uh, came home. Um, he's from Gwinnett County, just on the north part of Metro Atlanta, and uh, moved to running back and something that he wanted to have more offensive snaps. And he's kind of the lightning to Tucker Gregg's thunder, uh, a little bit smaller but super quick back guy that if he has any amount of space he's he's gone uh has super home run potential so kind of the combination between those two you know they like to get them up in the you know the, the 30 to 35 um touches um there between them uh Jemias also is a capable uh, guy out of the backfield as well they've had multiple wheel routes you know short you know screens different things like that to get the ball in his hands and get him out in space uh with either blockers or not but yeah the offensive line certainly does a great job Darren Granger quarterback he can throw, he can pass. 132 quarterback rating right now, close to 400 yards on the ground. Georgia State also has this, they're ranked sixth in the country in plays per minute. So you, you got great backs, balanced quarterback, and y'all play fast. What can ODU fans expect to see from Darren in this offense? Yeah, he plays really well at home. I uh, know we've seen that, uh, certainly. Um, you know, he, he is, uh, he, he's in line to become the winningest quarterback. Uh, you know, in the in, uh, in program history, basically. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that's comfortable, obviously, playing at home as most as most players are. Right? You, you feel better when you're sleeping in your own bed, uh, going through the normal routine, you know, dressing in your own locker room, and things like that. Um, but you know, Granger, unfortunately, you know, he he's been a victim of some drops this year. Um, I think I saw the number. Uh, one of his his uh, second leading receivers, Robert Lewis, leads the country in drops this year with nine. Um, had several drops, you know, kind of victimize them there in the App State game while they were rolling in the first half and uh, has some younger tight ends as well. Uh, se super senior, almost like super, super senior, Aubrey Payne, uh, who is old, as, is as the same age as his position coach. 
Um, it came back for basically his seventh year this year. Uh, he's been a little bit banged up dealing with a groin and a hamstring. I do expect him back. And he's kind of been that security blanket for Granger, uh, being the guy that he's been able to, to kind of look up the seam and, and find Aubrey Payne to find 88 there. Um, interested to see if he's back and, and ready to roll. They kept him out of the App State game, even though he was dressed. So he should be back um, this Saturday as he uh, continues to practice with the team. But no, I, I expect, you know, a, a bounce back effort. Obviously, you know, Granger did not play well uh, Wednesday night against App State. And for his career in his 20 now one start, um, in Atlanta, when he does kind of have the dip and, and the game that he doesn't perform super well through the air, you've seen him bounce back, did that against Georgia Southern. Um, you know, he's done that, you know, post in the North Carolina game after the South Carolina game, the opener this year as well. So I do expect a strong effort out, out of Darren as he's looking, you know, obviously to, to try to lead this team and, and that has, you know, just still faint hopes for a bowl game. And it's got to start obviously Saturday. So you mentioned earlier about the propensity for this defense to turn over offenses. So Quavian White, he's got four of Georgia State's 10 interceptions this season. Can you talk about what kind of player he is? Educate us a little bit on the defense that Georgia State runs. Yeah, they run a 3-4. Uh, it's, a, it's a Nate Woody defense. Um, so Nate Woody, of course, who is at uh, Army now, they run a 3-4, um, you know, a little bit smaller, quicker guys. That's really the, 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 the main they, – they want – quicker outside linebackers that rush the passer um, guy on the outside. They have a power five transfer and Jamil Muhammad is the outside linebacker rush end. Um, he was recruited to Vanderbilt as a, uh, as a quarterback, a dual threat quarterback. Uh, but you mentioned Quay White. He's having a fantastic super senior season, took advantage of obviously the COVID year to come back for the, for the extra year. Um, had, had a great start in his home state of South Carolina, multiple uh, pass breaks, breakups and including interception. And he's, he's really just playing, you know, out of his mind this year and really you know, kind of garnering even some potential senior bowl looks. Um, you know, he's getting some some opportunities there as one of the higher graded uh, defensive backs basically in the Sun Belt. Um, but, you know, you, you've got guys up the middle. Thomas Gore uh, is a nose guard, and, and I know being a nose guard is not super sexy. You're not going to have a ton of sacks or, or, you know, tackles for loss and things that way. But Thomas Gore um, is one of the highest rated, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, one of the highest rated interior linemen in the country in 2021. Very, very, very middle uh really occupying that center guard and, and giving opportunities uh, to the inside linebackers as well but um the panthers as i mentioned a little bit earlier have been victimized um you know with big plays at times this year um you lose your inside linebacker and your senior captain uh there in blake carroll but you've had some young guys step up jordan jones at the inside linebacker and then jordan uh venzial uh who's a guy who who is um, very, very tough. Not, not a guy that's going to be, you know, get off the bus, you know, type guy, you know, first, but, uh, you know, about six foot and about 225, 230. Uh, but he's tough. And I know ODU has their own tough guy in the middle there. Uh, Jordan's kind of that guy uh, for the Panthers defense. So they, they're, they're, they have been solid at times. And if you do turn the ball over or, or give them opportunities to turn the ball over, they take advantage of it. And uh, they're very, very good at, you know, scooping fumbles, uh, interceptions, as you mentioned, and, uh, you know, they, they play that, again, that bend, don't break. They want teams to try to march on them 8, 9, 10, 11 plays, you know, down the field and get them to, to make a mistake. And, uh, you know, they've had the opportunity to do it. They've got a guy that, that uh, I like to brag on every time I do one of these. Um, Antavius Lane is a safety uh, who I kind of call him the, the version uh, of the honey badger for, of the Sun Belt. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, basically at about five nine, about 185 pounds. Uh, he's nicknamed the hit stick. Uh, he is involved in everything. Uh, he will stick his head in there. Um, you know, he has uh, he's right behind Quay White in career interceptions. 
and he is uh, he's big time in terms of causing fumbles and causing um, you know, tackles for loss. He's some you know they don't blitz him a ton, uh, but he's a guy that basically can get in there and, and disrupt some things uh, on all three levels. So you know, they they do have some playmakers there, and I'm very interested to see um, you know what they're looking at, and, and obviously have a huge challenge on their hands and, and Allie Jennings as well coming down. Earlier, you mentioned the injuries sustained during those two P5 games. What's the injury situation now for Georgia State? They're, they're probably more healthy now than, than they have been just about all season, uh, honestly. They had a couple guys. Their inside slot receiver was out for the year, um, a very early torn ACL. And Blake uh, Carroll, their inside linebacker, has been out with the Achilles, and he probably will miss the season. But, um, you know, other than that, they're, they're pretty healthy in terms of the depth chart, in, in terms of the, the first and second string there. Coach Elliott hinted in the, on Monday there may be some some changes on, on the, uh, the defensive rotation specifically just because of how poorly they tackled and how poorly they played. Wednesday night against Appalachian State. Um, I, I could see, you know, maybe another two or three guys in there. Uh, the tough part about it, obviously, in, in the Sun Belt, as you guys well know, um, if you go too far down the depth chart, you get really, really young. You're getting guys that are, you know, freshmen, redshirt freshmen, or don't have a whole lot of experience potentially. So um, th this team is very experienced on both sides of the ball, specifically on defense, especially in the secondary. So could see some guys potentially shuffled shuffled around there, but uh, even along the defensive line, they've, they've uh, rotated eight, you know, seven, eight guys on a, on a three-man front. Um, so they, they should be pretty healthy, uh, you know, come Saturday afternoon. All right, let's move to special teams. So ODU has been a stalwart on special teams. Last week, you know, Southern kicked to Lemarian James, got a bad dose of what they didn't want and just immediately started going other directions. So he's a really explosive player. Other parts of special teams, we've blocked a couple kicks. We've had a scoop and score off a bad snap with Virginia Tech because of the kind of pressure we're putting on them. And we've got a great Aussie punting game right now. What can you tell us about the Panther special teams, what we should expect to see there, and then how they plan to stifle Old Dominion? Yeah, they, uh, well, it's uh, pretty much a one-man show, uh, you know, in terms of the kicking game. Michael Hayes handles punting, kicking, uh, and kickoffs there specifically. Um, he, he is, uh, he, he's been a guy that, um, you know, has you know, more than handled that. I think he's been victimized a little bit by poor coverage early in the season. South Carolina had two uh, block kicks for touchdowns, which really, you know, it, can't say if, you know, can't play the it what if game, but you remove those two and basically it's a 21 14 game basically in the fourth there of the Williams Price. So, um, you know, they seem to have cleaned that up a little bit. You haven't had block kicks as, as you know, especially in the punt game um, there. He's very solid, very good directional kicking. Um, you know, you can pull out the rugby style, can put, you know, punt it, punt it away. He's got a really strong leg as well. Uh, it's been solid, not spectacular, but solid there this year uh, when he, when he has, you know, had uh, adequate coverage. Um, I would not expect uh, them to kick the ball, you know, have any, anywhere opportunity to, for, for him to make plays, by the way. I, I know he was one of, the, one of the names that I had circled this week after watching uh, some of the Georgia Southern Come on, highlights. Ben. Come on, give, give him a chance, man. It's going to get frustrating back there. Yeah. Uh, well, I will tell you that, that Georgia State, for the first time in its program history, uh, Sean Elliott hired an, a special teams coordinator specifically as a position coach this year. So uh, I can't imagine that being uh, not, not mentioned uh, in, in those meetings this week. Uh, after watching that film, especially with the extra couple of days, but, but no, they, you know, they traditionally they, they've struggled, you know, punt coverage, kick coverage has not been great. Um, they, they will not uh, kick or uh, they will not take a kick return or punt return. Every single one of those, I can assure you right now, um, unless it's an onside kick situation or a swift kick, 
Uh, the Panthers will always fair catch. That has been Sean Elliott's philosophy really since they changed that rule where, hey, um, you know, basically you can fair catch and get the ball at 25. His philosophy is pretty simple. More bad things happen on, you know, kick returns and punt returns in terms of penalties and fumbles and things than good. So um, that's his philosophy. The fans don't like it at all because of the amount of team speed that Georgia State has at certain positions, especially in the secondary and at wide receiver. Um, but it is what it is. Um, you know, he basically will fair catch it or allow the ball, obviously, to, to go uh, go back in the end zone and drop there. But uh, his philosophy is he'd rather turn it over to the keys to his offense, knowing exactly where they are, where they can line up, and, uh, you know, but they're the 25-yard line and roll. So um, that's kind of kind of where it is there. Um, but uh, they, they do have – you know, some guys, they have, they have been in and blocked some kicks in the past. Um, they have some guys to do that as well. Um, you know, long athletes that can go in and, and kind of attack and, and knife in there. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it's special teams. If the game comes down to special teams, I, I don't feel good about Georgia State's chances. I'll tell you that much. Vegas opened the spread in Georgia State's favor at three and a half points. It has not moved. The total opened up at 56. It's now down to 55 and a half, which if I could bet on Old Dominion, I can't in the state of Virginia, but oh wow, I like that over a lot. What's your take on how this game goes down? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know the the Panthers have been you know one of the best bets in in you know Vegas. The Vegas loves Georgia State. Like you'll see if you just even do a Twitter search, you know they they you have so much action coming in on Georgia State basically because they've been rock solid the last two two years. This year they have not been so strong in terms of against, against the spread. Um, they they do play, as I mentioned earlier, very well at home. Um, you know, Sean and his teams, they, they tend to, you know, play a higher octane type type game um, with with not a great defense either. Um, the games have gone and been very high scoring. Um, I, I think the Panthers definitely want to get the, you know, get the game up into the 30s, as you mentioned, in terms of pace. Uh, pretty much the, the whole season, they've been in and around the top five in terms of you know, basically plays per minute. They want to run fast. They want to hit, you know, 75, 80, 85 plays a game. Um, not not as fast as like kind of an old Miss necessarily or Tennessee, but they, they're right there. They, they you know, Trent McKnight is kind of from that school, um, you know, that, that old Chad Morris kind of pick, pick you up and, and roll uh, type offense. So you'll see that, um, I think, with this, you know, on, on Saturday. And if the defense obviously can make enough plays, if they can't, then ODU obviously will have their own opportunities to be able to score. And, and the games, I believe, will probably be, in, you know, the winner of this, this game is going to score in mid to high 30s for sure. So I'll note on this game, 72% of the bets are on Old Dominion on the spread. 83% of the money is right now on Old Dominion. So I'm kind of shocked the line has not moved at all because you'd think they'd want to move it a little bit towards Old Dominion to get some money on the Georgia State side. So maybe we'll see that in the next couple of days. But right now it has not gone that direction. But all of the money, pretty much all of the money is on the over. So I really like this being a high-scoring game. Yeah, it, de it definitely will be entertaining. That's it for the folks that like offense. I mean, it, it, it won't be Troy South Alabama from last Saturday. That's for sure. I promise you. Uh, with two excellent defenses there, um, you know, but both of these defenses, you know, one way or the other, I, I think, you know, coming into this game, ODU, I think was 114th or 115th, depending on where you look. Um, the Panthers, I know, are, are like 118 or 119. So, yeah, if you like offensive football, man, uh, yeah, 3 o'clock on Saturday is your, your place to check it out. Well, we'll certainly be tuned in watching for that high-scoring game. But before we close, if ODU is going to have success in this game, where do you think the state could be vulnerable? 
Uh, I think definitely defensively. Uh, I think the Panthers, you know, I'm very interested in mindset wise. You know, this team really got bullied um, against App State, that, you know, really after you know, opening up a 14 0 lead um, and then just being absolutely trucked, you know, 42 to 3 after that point. Uh, where's the mindset, you know, of, of this team? You know, Sean Elliott mentioned he wants to potentially make some changes on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, the team did not play well, basically in the third and fourth quarter, turned the ball over, which has been kind of a bugaboo at times uh, for this offense. A lot of drops. Um, you know, focus wasn't there. You know, they've had obviously uh, 10 days to reload for this game now. Um, you know, the team returned basically Thursday, um, you know, thir- Thursday morning, uh, late, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, uh, kind of getting their mind right and getting getting uh, prepared for this football game. So um, I, th- I think that's, you know, if if ODU is able to take advantage, you know, Sean Elliott really didn't really tip his hand Monday talking about specifically how he's going to defend Allie Jennings. Um, they do play a zone, you know, and basically a three deep, four deep, uh, cover three, cover four, you know, safety look. I would expect them to back up, obviously, a little bit, give him a little bit more space. Um, he's going to get his catches. Sean mentioned that. You know, he's, he's too good of a player not to. Um, the key is obviously not to, to, to limit the damage once he does catch the football. And I think that's the biggest thing this this week is really just, you know, being able to wrap up um, him in space. And, and obviously, you know, with so much attention paid to Allie Jennings, you know, there's going to be opportunities for other guys to make plays as well, right? So, you know, b- being able to have, you know, younger linebackers, you have a redshirt freshman inside linebacker, Jordan Jones, you know, he's been victimized at times. His backup, Justin Abraham, has come in. Uh, teams, you know, Coastal attacked him right away, uh, right out the gate, basically lining up wide receivers in the backfield, and, and he was burnt for, you know, like a 60-yard touchdown, basically right out the gate of that game. So um, I, I think that's the big plays certainly have to be limited, and if ODU is able to hit big plays offensively, um, they, sh- they should be in the game the entire way. And and, and conversely, if, if the ODU defense um, can take advantage, if the Panthers, you know, do kind of stub their toe or, you know, if they're, if they're you know, not catching passes like they did you know, or, or earlier in the year and, 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 you know, not paying attention and not really focusing and dropping the football or, you know, Granger also has, has been victimized by interceptions where it's tipped off guys' hands or he's thrown, you know, step behind guys or, or things have come up late. And, and even the Panthers, you know, you know, have even, um, you know, fumbled a couple of times this year. So I think that's, that's where it is. I mean, turnovers, you know, in every game, right. That that's the thing that really turns, um, it changes the complexity of the game pretty quick. You can kind of circle that in time of possession and, and see, you know, kind of who's on the on the winning side of that. But um, yeah, if if ODU is able to kind of withstand the fast break offense a bit um, and uh, slow them down and, and force them to punt uh, a few times, especially early, you know, see see how the Panthers react. I, I agree with you know the the Vegas spread. I mean, this to me, this is a coin flip game. I, I don't I don't really see you know super advantages on on both sides that are not negated by the other. Um, and uh, I think that's that's what makes good games, right? You know, it, and uh, I think I think that's that's going to be fun as as the Panthers look for their first ever win against ODU in football. We we remember the Taylor Heineke days and uh, in, in the old Georgia Dome and the Panther fans bemoaning the fact that Bill Curry did not offer Taylor Heineke because he already had four quarterbacks on the roster. All right, Ben. So we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Before we go, let let people know where they could find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter or pretty much all social media. It's just been more 24-7. We're at panthertop.com and uh, proud proud affiliate, the Georgia State affiliate for 24-7 sports. Have a great team. Uh, We uh, Brady will be there live covering in the press box and uh, Jordan uh, Crawford does a great job on, on the field there and uh and uh for any odu fans that come down feel free to come say hello as well come and, and reach out to me on twitter as well um as i as i mentioned to these guys as well i i was born and raised in virginia um and so i've got obviously a little bit of love and have always kept my eye on the odu program so i'm uh, looking forward to uh 
to uh, to seeing the Monarchs come in and, and seeing, uh, you know, a great football game on Saturday. Yeah, we have a, a big alumni group having an event at the stadium ahead of time. So I hope we have a pretty good turnout. Our athletic department's also flying some folks down there. And our, our group ourselves have a couple dudes that are flying down. Awesome. Yeah, Cal, Cal Bowdler always puts on a big event. We Because we, former Hawk, you know, he, he lives still lives in town, I believe. And uh, we always would see him at the uh, Georgia State basketball games when, when Georgia State would host the ODU. Um, the biggest thing, I think, for anybody that's coming down, you know, definitely check out Summerhill, um, the area, which is about two or three blocks, uh, you know, which is uh, directly from the, from the stadium. There's sports bars. You can get pizza. Great, great barbecue as well. Woods Chapel barbecue. Uh, if you folks that, that love barbecue, come on down uh, for that. They've got uh, sports bar basically after the game, before the game. Um, you know, right down there as well. There's a lot of restaurants that they have built up in the last few years. So, yeah, looking forward to a, to a great ODU crowd. I hope everybody comes down and enjoys their time. Well, those places better watch out because Gary and Chad are on their way. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Ben. We really appreciate it. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.